Hello, awesome people. Happy Saturday. Welcome to Let's All Get Into It. This is the podcast where your intuition is your best guide. Welcome to our third episode, and it's called Feast with the Wizards, Creating Magic in Everyday Food. This podcast was inspired by the recent announcements in the Harry Potter universe. First would be the release of the trailer for Fantastic Beasts, Secrets of Dumbledore, and also Harry Potter's Return to Hogwarts reunion in January. I was looking for a fresh approach to the topic of Harry Potter, and so here we are. So today we're going to focus on two things, food and magic. Our flow will be different from the previous episodes. I tried to adapt the flow of each episode based on the content we're going to be discussing. So here's how it's going to go for this episode. We're going to talk about the movie quote, then the song lyric of the week, then our featured guest interview, and then finally, we finish it off with a tarot and oracle guidance of the week. Sounds good? So grab your drink and get comfy. Let's all get into it. Let's all get into it with Lish Dizon. So first things first, we're going to break it, break it down, the definitions of the two words. So magic is the power of influencing the course of events by using mysterious or supernatural forces. This is the definition I chose to use in this episode. Meanwhile, food is something that we eat or drink in order to maintain life. Our episode will be featuring the first movie in the Harry Potter series, which is The Sorcerer's, the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> Nakakabulol, guys. <laughs> Sorry about that. So we have the food moments in The Sorcerer's Stone, Hagrid's birthday cake for Harry, the sweets from the trolley in Hogwarts Express, and the feasts that are featured in The Great Hall. So now we'll move on to our movie quote of the week, Introduced and explained by our guest, Guillen de la Cruz. So it was from that, uh, that specific part wherein they were riding the Hogwarts Express. The trolley lady asked, uh, anything from the trolleys, dear? And Harry's response was very simple. But for me, that response sort of signified what food meant in that story, in Harry Potter's story. The response was, we'll take the lot. So it's a very simple, it's an unsuspecting line. It's more of a, it's really more of a dialogue more than it is an inspiring quote. But the reason why I picked it is because it talks about how food was sort of used as a vessel for connecting with someone that you knew or just someone that you are interested in becoming friends with. No? So that's how Harry sort of thought of using that time no, to, to buy all the treats that they can eat so that he can connect with Ron, who obviously is a possible new friend for him. It's quite different from how he lived his muggle life or his life with muggles before. So it's a, be- it's a very short but very powerful line for me because, again, Harry saying we'll take the lot is like you know buying food not just for himself. Even though it was scarce for him, you know, even with the Dudley in the Dursley household, it was scarce for him. But knowing that he can share it with someone else, I think that's really magical. And I think that's why I picked that unsuspecting thought. We'll take the lot. You know, food is magical. It's even more magical when it's shared. 
there you go. Thank you for that, Gian. And so just to recap, our quote is, we'll take the lot. Our intuitive realization is, food is magical when it is shared. We'll now move on to our song lyric of the week. So our song comes from the 70s, 80s band, The Police. And the song lyric is, which is also the title, Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic. So this is actually one of my favorite police songs. If you haven't heard it yet, please do after the episode. It's such a fun song. Do you ever get that intuitive feeling that there are just some people who are ethereal or otherworldly? Are just captivating. It's an indescribable feeling, but you'll feel it when this person is around. It's something in their aura or something in their eyes. Like there's something magical there. And it's amazing. And I think the song lyric totally captures that, whichever pronoun you use. Because every little thing that this person does can instantly become magical because of who they are. Another way of looking at the song lyric is how we as intuitive beings are able to conjure up magic in our own lives, that everything we do can be magical. All we have to do is believe. So just to recap, our song lyric is, every little thing she does is magic. Our intuitive realization is, there are people who are just magical because of who they are, but everybody can be magical too. So now we move on to the main event of this episode. So our guest for today has been a Harry Potter fan since back in the day. We actually did a feature on him back in college about his fandom. Please welcome my good friend, Gian Angelo de la Cruz. <laughs> Ooh, so full. Can I hear my raven claws up in here? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, it's so good to be here, Liz. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this has been a moment, Malam. Yeah. This uh-huh. is a moment. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So and um, having me. You're very welcome. And thank you for being the first guest, uh, for saying yes <laughs> to being the first guest. Because, you know, it's it's never easy to be the first guest. You know, it's always that trial and error type of thing. And uh, here, because you are an Aquarian, you like to also <laughs> experiment. So, oh, before we say anything else, I uh, just wanted to let other people know that um, Gian is an Aquarius sun, moon, and a Virgo rising. We're going to get the ball rolling, so let's all get into it. Let's all get into it with Lish Dizon. Gian, um, could you tell us uh, back in the day, um, what was the appeal of Harry Potter that got you hooked on the series? Well, actually, not, not the series first, just the first book. The first book? Oh, well, actually... Um, it wasn't the book that first appealed to me. Uh, that's just a fun fact, like a tiny story that I tell when it comes to my Harry Potter journey. Um, a lot of people started with the books, but for me, it's a different story. I started with a movie. I started with the first movie. The moment I saw the trailer of Sorcerer's Stone, I was like, hmm, this, is, this looks nice. This is like, it's like something that I would watch, like, you know, and be a fan of eventually. And what we did is that I asked Dad, who used to work for an advertising agency, to get us tickets <laughs> to watch the premiere night. And we were able to watch it. And after that, it's like an instantaneous click for me. And funny thing is that the first book that I grabbed, and I think it's only because 
<laughs> it was the the series or the part of the series or the the book that was available in National Bookstore during that time was only Prisoner of Azkaban, which is the third book. The third book, yeah, yeah, exactly. So the third book was actually my, uh, how do you say it? My baptism to the book world of Harry Potter. Right, right. That was my first. That was my first reading engagement with with Harry Potter, technically. So obviously, I was a little bit lost because I watched yeah. the first movie, and I was reading the third book, and I was like, "There are characters that are not in the first movie." <laughs> so I was like so confused. But eventually, when I finished *Prisoner of Azkaban*, I backtracked. I I read um, *Chamber of Secrets*, and then reread. Sorry, by that time, uh, I was supposed to read, and actually, eventually read um, *Sorcerer's Stone*. So it was like a a slight of a, how do you say it? Uh, like a rewind thing for me before mm-hmm. yeah. I was able to go like on the normal course of things. Right. Like after Sorcerer's Stone, I jumped now to reading Public of Fire or The Phoenix, Half-Blood Prince, and so on and so on. What was the importance for you? For you? Because you were, you were um, just like what you said earlier about, you know, what, what, drew, what drew you to becoming interested in Harry Potter was that when you saw the trailer and then you watched the movie. What do you think was the importance of magic and uh, how do we relate that to the series? Um, the catch is, you know, during when you're young, obviously when the book, actually no, when the movie came out, I was almost the same age, if I'm not mistaken, with Harry Potter during the time. So imagine the resonance that I had with Harry Potter during that time. When I when I first saw the trailer, you know, entering your first year in high school, Harry Potter's entering his first um, year on um, grade seven, if that's how they put it in in, in UK, right? mm-hmm. um, So the resonance, number one, I think the resonance is the number one factor that put me in. But I think when we talk about magic, I mean. Magic is, has always been a construct that's quite foreign to us. You know, it's not something that can be explained by science. It's not something that can be explained thoroughly by religion as well. So magic is always a concept that's very conceptual. That's why to see films and to see stories unfold with such detail about magic, I think that's what drew me in. And I feel that's very important in telling the story of a really young boy, you know, a really young boy who discovered that he is a wizard. And another thing is that magic is usually regarded as good and bad magic. Yes. There's a thing like that. And yes, there's a dichotomy of what's good magic and what's bad magic. And when you're a witch or a wizard, most of the time you're technically associated with the bad side of magic. But for me, Harry Potter sort of desensitized that idea. It sort of diluted the idea that witches, wizards, warlocks are bad, you know, that they can be good as well. Um, and so that, for me, that was integral in telling the, the Harry Potter universe, Harry Potter story. That's why I feel like the kind of magic that was brought into the Harry Potter universe is something that's, that's not, it's still conceptual, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it feels a little bit human in that, mm. if, I, if, I'm, if I'm making sense. It feels right. a little bit human. It feels a little bit connected. You know how in the movies, they will be aware that they will be seen by muggles. 
that yeah. self-awareness, you yeah. know, it makes it that it makes the concept of magic a little bit human in that sense. And I think that was the appeal for me of, of Harry Potter and how magic is an integral part of it. And I guess what what's also interesting is how the story started. He started with muggles. Yeah. You know, just being mundane. And then all of a sudden, you know, you found this special bit within you. Mm-hmm. And that's magic. And I think that's that's beautiful. You know, that yeah. that juxtaposition of like what's what's mundane and what's special or what's mundane and what's magical. I think that's that's a brilliant piece of Anatana. And I think actually that's also one of the parts that we're gonna discuss here in the episode is because it's about creating magic in everyday food, right? But before we talk yes. about the food, though, I'd, I'd like to go back to what you said earlier. Symbolically, it's a going back to the humanity of things. You can be magical, but yeah. you can also be human in a sense. So you can be both. Right. So that, yep. that duality, right? Uh, just to emphasize that, it's a really nice um, duality to the kind of story that Harry Potter has brought out. We're going to talk about food now. Because that's the next, um, that's the other topic that we're going to discuss. What is it about food that appeals to you? For me, and I think in our household, I share this sentiment with the rest of the family. You know, food for us is really the sixth love language. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's not part of the official list of love languages, but I feel like when you cook for someone, when you eat with someone, you know, it, it's just a magical feeling. Um, just to share a bit of story, I think, and I'm, I'll try not to be so emotional about it, but I'll try my best. You know, when, when I first, actually, when I first learned how to cook, it wasn't, it wasn't out of experimentation. It was actually out of necessity. You know, you know, Lish, that my mom passed when I was, you know, in, in fifth grade, right? So yes. during that time, Preparing food is more of like a functional chore, technically. It's for sustenance. You know, we need to eat. We need it to eat, technically. It's our physical reason. But as time goes by, as I learned stuff, learned to cook like pasta, my first dish was carbonara, if I'm not mistaken. But the first time it, you know, I got nods and like comments saying how good the food is and how it made them feel things. I mean, that. You can't get any more magical than that when someone talks about your food and commends your food for making them feel things. You know, food can do that. And that's a, that's a unique power of, of good food, technically. Home-cooked good food. You know, there's a, there, and and the, that particular magic sort of inspires you to keep on exploring and experimenting. So it's like a win-win situation, you know? You get to feed the people that you love. You get to you get to feed them with good food that actually make them feel things. But at the same time, that also feeds your soul. It also feeds your soul in that way that, you know, you get to also experiment and discover more about your style as a, as a home chef, technically, or as a home cook, or just somebody who, who loves cooking, a foodie, <laughs> for the lack of a better term. So yeah, so that's for me the magic of everyday food is. I think. And that's why I'm also drawn to the idea of cooking and of course eating. Come on, let's be honest. 
Yeah. And I think it it also has a lot to do with our culture, right? Food is totally embedded in our culture. Every Definitely. region, every every place we go to, there's something new and something else to discover about food. Now, with regards to that, to, to, to the magical part, what do you think is the kind of magic that you bring to your food? <laughs> okay. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, I, my first engagement with cooking, it's really functional. But I think as time goes by, um, I started looking up into recipes. You know, the, with the availability of the internet, of YouTube, eventually it's easier to spot <laughs> recipes for whatever you wanted to cook. But what I find myself doing is that sometimes I veer away from the recipe. I know it's a no-no <laughs> for most. Because like how, how far away? <laughs> no, not really far away. I, yeah, I started, for example, the recipe calls for salt. But sometimes I will experiment with fish sauce because technically they're in the same spectrum. You know, they're both salty, but this fish sauce or patis has a little bit more depth than salt, you know? So, it, it, I wasn't going for, like, a truly experimental, like, endeavor with, um, with tweaking the recipes. It's more of, like, trying other stuff that are adjacent <laughs> to the, the ingredient. But, yeah, so, for me, that's... that's the kind of magic that I think I add. Like, I try to always tweak it. I'm not satisfied with a recipe that I feel like I followed it by the book. For me, I need to add my my stamp on it in one wow. way or another. Yeah, whether, for example, it's just a chocolate chip cookie. You know what? I want to, I want to add nuts to it. I wanted to add cranberries to it. <laughs> so, and, you know, those kinds of things that you can easily adjust i feel like in 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 essence that also makes the food uniquely mine or i can tag it as mine i have i've tweaked it and i've i have improved it or i have you know i've made my own take on it if we're contextualizing magic and how i bring it to the food that i cook and to the things that i bake i think that's it you know just tweaking the recipes adding my own love and affection to the food that I do and bake and cook. I think that's a, that's a way I put my, or I put magic in my everyday cooking. Yeah. That's a very beautiful answer. Thank you so much, candidate number 2002. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, that's a really good answer about that. Because uh, we're going to segue to the next question. Um, with regards to, you said that the, the, the special sauce the Guian special sauce to the, you know, the, the it, first of all, it's soul. You know, you feel it really. It's, it's something emotional for you. Uh, food is not just uh, a mere, that, like what you said earlier, was functional. It's more of an emotional thing that there's love there. Every time that you cook, every time that you bake, that's why people can also resonate every time that they eat it. They feel love. That, that really goes to show the amount of care that you put in making food. It's not something that you just, you know, halabirai. So yes, with the exactly. sauce. It's, a, it's all about the sauce. It's, it's all, all about the sauce. It's all about the sauce. <laughs> Since we talked about food, we talked about magic already, and we talked about Harry Potter. Let's put them all together now. What are your top three favorite magical foods in the Harry Potter series? 
the third on the list will probably have to be chocolate frogs. Like, I know they would taste good because they're chocolate. And they're essentially, like, made into the shape of frogs. So I'm not bothered by that. But I'm curious because... No, thank you. <laughs> no, anything but spiders. You know the sh- how they depicted chocolate in the movie. You know, chocolate is such a magical food. That's that's how interesting it is. Um, so that's number three. That's um, that's that's the third on my list. The second one is pumpkin juice. For some reason, I'm so intrigued as to how pumpkin juice will taste because when you see like tomato juice, for example, in the grocery, you'd know that this tastes like tomato sauce in a tetra pack or what <laughs> you know it's, it'll taste like your tomatoes like pureed in the juice but pumpkin really has a bland taste that's why it's a perfect you know ingredient for pies or stews and soups because you can add anything to it to you know to enhance the flavor or to bring out the flavor so that's why pumpkin juice is something that's intriguing because I've been reading that apparently the the pumpkin juice sold in Harry Potter world and the wizarding world of Harry Potter in both Universal Studios Japan and in the US tasted like peach, sort of peachy orange with a bit of spice. So I'm just curious because I'm 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 also into those flavors. So I, I and my number one is also a pumpkin-based treat. And it's funny because it was mentioned in the book quite a few times but I think the the most famous part or mention of it was by Cho Chang Mm -hmm. it was the first time that Harry Potter really noticed Cho and during that time Cho was ordering food from the trolley lady when they were aboard um, Hogwarts Express you know and Cho was like can I have two pumpkin pasties please and I was like so intrigued like how pumpkin pasties would taste like. And, but if you read it closely and if you watch it closely and you'd imagine it, pumpkin pasties is, are actually like, hand, uh, sorry, are actually hand pies. Oh. They're like hand pies version of the pumpkin pie. Because oh, okay. when you look at, when you look at how they, when you look at how they're packaged, they're like empanadas. <laughs> but with pumpkin inside with the pumpkin imagine the pumpkin pie filling in an yeah. empanada I think for me uh, the because I was I was going to talk about uh, when we drank butterbeer right because for me I oh. think that's a, that's really quintessential like that is butter, you know? that is really quintessential right yeah. uh, we oh I I was able to drink two types of butterbeer in two different restaurants uh, which one of them we went to the Witch's Brew. Witch's Brew. Which yeah. is very... is Guys, it's a very integral place because that was the first time <laughs> that we met uh, Erica's now husband, Donnie. Donnie! <laughs> Shout yes. out to Erz and Donnie. Hi, guys. We miss you. Hi, guys. So that was the Say first... It. That was the first one for you, right? How did you... That was... Uh, yeah, that was the first one for me. Actually, no. If I remember it correctly, I tried... One from another restaurant, but it wasn't really labeled as butterbeer, butterbeer. It's like more of a butterbeer soda or something. Oh, I see. So, where, where did you So do? my, I think it was in Breakfast Club back then in BGC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> back then when 
they used to have breakfast club there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not there anymore. Not there anymore. But yeah, and the second time is with you guys at Richie's Brew. I think you tried the other one at Nook, right? Yeah, the the first one I had was at Nook in Maginhawa, QC. And that one, that was just small. That was a small, it was it was a teacup. <laughs> it wasn't like then, a beer beer, you know? That's like a, a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> because when you read Harry Potter, they're not sipping that kind of juice. Yeah. They're really chugging it. Like yeah. how one would do with beer. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, we, we got a taste of it. And for me, when I had that taste, I was like, yeah, that's butter beer right there. And I think um, I, I, I asked the guy what the ingredients were. I can't re- really remember all of them, but he said something about caramel, something about that there's caramel there and that there's yeah. something. I think other. most of the restaurants trying to make their own version, they just combine cream soda. So cream soda is something that you can easily buy at your international section, I think. And then they add like a butterscotch syrup. To make it taste like butterscotch. There you go, butter butterscotch. Beer. Yeah. Yeah, butterscotch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but I mean, all of them tasted good, but for me, it's just a little too sweet. That's why it's not, it's not hard. And you know, us Aquarians, we like to be a little different. <laughs> yes. Why yes. We don't like to go where everybody goes. So, yeah. butter beer for me is like already a staple. That's why. Uh, the top three that I mentioned to you are sort of the things that are still in my list that I haven't quite figured like how they would taste in real life. Yeah. Who knows, Gian? Maybe you would make, you know, in your future coffee. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll be making the the official, (laughs) the best version of butterbeer there is. Why do you think it's important to create magic in everyday food? Like, let's say, in adobo or in carbonara. You know, we, we eat these yeah. all the time, every day. We already know what it tastes like. Now, why is it important to create magic in those kinds of food? And how would you suggest other people create their own sauce? The idea that you can prepare these items of, you know, items that you can munch on with your family and with your friends I think that adds to the magical factor of food, really. And I feel like when you do it every day or whenever you cook, I feel like you're extending yourself to the people that you care about most. So it's, again, food is all about sustenance. That's a given. It's for nutrition. It's for your health. But the flip side of it is you also need to remember that it's meant to also nourish the soul and, you know, feed their longing for emotions for example you know that's why there's such a thing as comfort food you know that's why whenever we're down whenever we're feeling sad you know just a bite of our favorite comfort food and all of the worries will soon subside you know that's the power of of creating everyday magic with food so it's it's something that we need to sort of uh, reinforce and practice because you know to put it simply, you're going to exert effort in preparing food. Might as well give your best or give your heart in preparing that. I mean, even if you're poaching an egg or frying an egg, you know, add all the shebang that you want. Fry it in chili oil. Fry it in pesto. You know, fry it in all these TikTok trends that you're seeing because that will add spark 
to how you treat food in general. And of course, it will also add up to your idea of how to feed people, you know, how to share the food that you cook to other people. So I think that's, that's very important. And that's something that we need to practice more. And I think we have more time now, you know, especially that we're working from home, we're locked yeah. at home for some, we're still very much locked at home, quarantined. So we need to make use of the time to practice putting everyday food with magic or putting magic in everyday food. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid. I guess that's my advice. Don't be afraid to take or make risks or you know, give your own take to the recipe that you're following, to the trend that you're following. Don't be afraid to. Like, for example, when I saw that TikTok trend using chili oil, I was like, why not add some cheese on it? You know, so it's like a cheesy omelet with chili. You know, it's spicy. It's cheesy. It's, it's, it's following the trend. But at the same time, it's also sort of uniquely mine because I added like a tweak to it. And when I asked my brothers to taste it, they liked it. Of course, again, that's a win-win situation. You know, they, they loved it. And at the same time, it made me feel good because they loved the food that I cooked. So yeah, that's why, that's the reason for me why everyday food can be magical or should be magical. Yes, right. Wise words from, uh, from, from our Ravenclaw foodie rebel. The, the idea of the concept of food and magic, it's, it's not something that is so far off. It's something that's relevant. And I think that's the importance of why I wanted to talk about everyday creating magic in everyday food is because you can always find something magical in everything. You know, um, yes. magic does not necessarily mean that you have to create potions and, you know, spells. But yes, there is a deeper meaning and deeper um, deeper levels of magic, which is going to be for another episode. But this one, I really wanted to focus on the idea because Harry Potter is such a relatable character. And the story is so relatable. And so that's also the idea of everyday food. It's very relatable. Everybody can mm-hmm. cook it. Everybody can eat it. But what is that special thing that I like? I like what you said earlier about the spark. What makes it like spark? What, what is that zing that makes food so yummy to the point that, oh, damn, I, I like this. I like this food. It's very magical. It gives me feelings that uh, I haven't even felt before. Or it it makes me want to be like to up the ante in the next time that I cook this, you know. And I think um, that's what people forget, you know. We can always find magic in everything. And we can always create magic in everyday food. So everybody can be a magician, guys. Everybody can be wizards, witches, warlocks. It just happens to be you have to conjure up your own power. And you have to own that power. Just like Harry Potter did in in his journey, right? Um, in in the first part, he was a muggle. He didn't really want to, you know, he had a yeah. difficult time accepting the the right. that part of him. And I think for everybody, that's especially now in the pandemic, we tend to forget that there's still magic out there. It's we're not in the best situation right now, especially what's been happening in Visayas, Mindanao. But you know, if if people still believe in magic. People can still be magical. People still can can still create magic, even in everyday food. Do you want to say anything to our, our lovely listeners? Uh, yeah. I mean, number one, Lish, thanks for inviting me here in your amazing 
wonderful show. I'm excited for for the the episodes to come. No, so but I guess yeah, Lish was right when it comes to employing magic every day. You know, at the time where where magic seems scarce or where when when positivity seems very very low, take it upon yourself to do it. You know, initiate that magic within you. Next, quotable yes. quote. Yeah. Initiate that magic from within you and start creating magic with everyday food. Practice, practice, initiating that spark yeah. almost every day to cook. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, cook on and, you know, keep the magic alive, you guys. There you go. Cook on. Keep the magic alive. Cook on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Ian, for that fun interview. Hopefully, more Harry Potter convos to come. We're moving on to the next and final part of our episode, the Tarot and Oracle Cards of the Week. Let's all get into it with Lish Dizon. For our Tarot Card of the Week, I didn't shuffle the deck today because I wanted to choose the Magician card because it really fits today's theme. The Magician card is part of the Major Arcana, And it speaks of having all of the tools to be able to create your own reality. This card is associated with manifestation vibes. The magician is the major manifester. The energy of this card tells us of the power that we have within us in making things come true. So you guys can be the magicians of your own lives. Believe in that. You can turn your life around if you wanted to. You can make things happen, fam. And to be honest, based on experience, my manifestations happened because I worked hard towards the goal, maintained my focus, put my heart and soul into what I was doing, kept my faith that one day it will happen eventually. And finally, and most importantly, I let go of the need to have instant results. I just sent my intentions out to the universe. So just to recap, our tarot card is the magician. Our intuitive realization is we can manifest things into reality because we are the magicians of our own lives. When you set good intentions and put it out into the universe, the universe will take care of you. Magic is real. For good vibes, our cards will be coming from the Wisdom of the Oracle deck, the True Offering Oracle, and the Work Your Light Oracle. So I'll just shuffle the decks now. ASMR. Okay. We have, wow, patience. If you've tried forever to shift a problem, there's probably something to learn from embracing it. May I let this be for now. Help me relax and trust every need will be met. Often change soon follows. So it's very, um, it's very synchronistic to what we were saying earlier about manifestations. Wow. The next one is happy, happy. So with happy, happy here from the wisdom of the Oracle deck, it just goes to show that if you keep on trusting and believing that happy things will happen, then it will happen for you. Then from the Work Your Light Oracle, we have Akasha. Your guidance is divinely guided, 
and soul family. Call in your tribe. You don't have to do it alone. And on that lovely note, thank you so much, Soul Family, for listening all the way through. Um, Here ends our episode for today. Always remember, your intuition is your best guide. I hope that you guys pick something up that could help you on your journey. We'll all get into it next time. Take care. Rest well. See ya.